Seasonal shifts are a major reason for any imbalance in the body. Based upon our location, seasons, everything can vary. The cusps where seasons move from one to another are generally vulnerable times. And when the seasons and nature are vulnerable, our bodies are predisposed to be more vulnerable. Based upon our body constitution, specific seasons make us further vulnerable. This can impact our body, mind, sleep and all health. In today's podcast, we will answer three questions. How do seasonal shifts impact our body? Do seasons shift impact our sleep? Why should we not ignore seasonal shifts? as impactful. I pose these questions to Reema Shah who kindly came back for an episode. Reema's first Ayurvedic teachers were her grandparents and parents who taught her many Ayurvedic home remedies and spiritual practices. She has taught at Kanyakumari Ayurveda and Yoga School, the Bhavana Institute for Ayurveda and Yoga, and currently teaches a federally financially funded Ayurveda program at the Institute of Beauty and Wellness. She also has taken numerous trips to India to enhance her knowledge through advanced studies in Ayurvedic herbalism, panchakarma and women's health. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Lima, it's a pleasure to have you back on the Sleep Whisperer podcast and your first conversation, which we did more than a year ago, we spoke about Ratri Acharya and we also had the Marma meditation alongside. It was very well received. I got such good reviews for it. So I knew that I wanted you back and you are one of those souls which... I just had that instant connection with and I knew we, we decided to talk about this specific subject way back when we recorded the first conversation uh, and today we are talking about Ritu Acharya seasonal shifts and what I'd really like to do is to address three key questions which is how do seasonal shifts impact our body and do seasonal shifts impact our sleep and why should we not ignore seasonal shifts because they can be very impactful on overall health. So let me just begin by asking you, why do people succumb to illness at that crossover, the cusps between the seasons? 
Uh, and is it that they don't know how to tweak eating methodology or uh, lifestyle interventions? And um, maybe we'll just begin by talking about why, why is that uh, crossover, that cusp, a sensitive time? Beautiful. Um, thank you, Deepa. I'm so happy to be back here. Um, what a good question to start with because the transitions of the seasons is called Ritu Sandi. And that literally means that transition time. So in India, where you are, you have six distinct seasons. Where I live in America, I have four distinct seasons. So across the globe, no matter what climate you live in, because it definitely is different. You've got these monsoons. I live in a climate with very cold winters. The, the beauty about Ayurveda is that no matter where you live, you can apply these age old concepts. So when we look at seasons, seasonal transitions, and you're at a great time too, you're, you're in India in April, um, you're in that intense heat, and that will soon shift to the rains, those rains coming down. And here in America, we are in spring season. So many of us are coming out of a deep winter. So if we just take time to observe nature, during the transition of the seasons, nature's vulnerable. You know, sometimes we can look at nature and we say, is it winter or is it spring? Is it spring or is it monsoon? We don't even know because nature itself seems confused. And shift through seasons is a big thing because the character of the time completely changes. You know, when you're in winter, you wanna wear warmth, you wanna wear jackets, but just within a short time, that completely changes. So the saying in Ayurveda is that when the seasons or outside looks vulnerable, that same impact happens on the body. The body is very vulnerable during that time. So we need to take extra caution. And there's two really important concepts, which is, as you know, even in Indian culture, cleansing and fasting detoxification is extremely important. And there's a time and place for it. Many people in the West, they feel unhealthy and they just wanna detox. But in Ayurveda, we say, no, we really want to look at the cycles of nature and we want to detoxify with them. So two important times, springtime and fall uh, are very good times for detoxification. So it's a good time to say to yourself that you're really going to focus on your diet, your lifestyle, your meditation practice. Let me just ask you, Rima, because there's two key things that emerge from what you just mentioned. And right now you spoke about we need to detoxify in the spring and in the fall. Could you just break that down? What is the month we're talking about and what is that looking like all over the world? Yes, yeah, so it's very easy to see this in 
uh, America, because in America, we go through a very long cold winter. Even people in California, it gets cold. So that is comparable to your India's really January, February also, right? November, December, January, February, it's the colder months. So we first off just want to think about um, if we split up the year in two parts, the first part we really call like the Dakshinayana. And Dakshinayana is the part of the year where it's drier and colder. So first off, think in India, when do you feel like it's drier and colder and windier and it affects you more, right? And then we've got this um, Uttarayana aspect and that is when it's warmer. So when we can just split up those those things, we can tell ourselves that in those colder, drier months, we need nourishment. And in those hotter, more, um, you know, you're very, you're very um, susceptible to the warmth, we need to cool ourselves down. So in America, we are talking about the transition for detoxification is really good, like February, March, April, and possibly a little bit of May. In India, and I have to look because some, you know, it's it's like, I have to look at, I wrote this down because you have six distinct seasons. So um, I wanted to really be able to speak to you for your clients or, and people that are listening in India. So you've got the Shirsa, uh, you've got the winter, the Shishira, which is mid-January to mid-March. And we consider this winter time. And then you've got, of course, Vasanta, which is spring. So you're leading from that winter to spring. So you're talking about mid-March to mid-May in India. So actually, your timing is very similar to our timing. And then that takes you to Grishma, which is mid-May to mid-July. And then you've got the Varsha, which is your monsoon season. And that's mid-July to mid-September. And then that takes you um, back to where we started. So really, this time of year, even in India, is a wonderful time to detoxify. I was just going to say March because that's about when you describe six months, six months to me, it looked like March, April, May, June, July, August. And then the cold is September, October, November, December, January, February. And that's where it gets so dry and cold. And I feel as if everything hurts in my body. And then the, come March, everything changes. Uh, so why should we not ignore these seasonal shifts? Because I don't think even though Ayurveda is so well known, it hasn't quite percolated down into daily life where someone is paying attention to seasonal shifts. I have ongoing clients to whom I'm talking about changing the diet when this weather changes, but I don't think this is there everywhere. So why should we not ignore that? What does that do to our body? Let's just say that we're eating the same way through the cold, through the warmth. What, what can that do for us? Mm -hmm. You know, this is such an important question because we're moving more and more into technology. 
This is a really important time for us to understand that what Ayurveda has always had that the Western world has never learned is that harmony with nature. You know, so the more that we're on our computers and our screens and using lights and living indoors, we are forgetting that aspect of those cycles that are so powerful that all the yogis, the sages, the rishis, they all knew that that was your guideline to follow those cycles. So as we are moving into this technological world more and more, people are not outside as much. They don't wake up on time. They're not aware of the moon cycle. They don't even maybe pay attention that that actually the sun is really hot because they walked outside to eat lunch and that's the hottest time of the day. So if we could just remind ourselves that we can't lose that connection, we're gonna find greater peace and joy. So I try to tell my clients and my students really important things. Like for example, when you wake up in the morning and you do your meditation practice, because truly that should be um, the thing you do first, before you're ready to face the world, you face your divine nature. Um, go outside. After that, go outside, no matter where you live. And I live in a place where sometimes it's so hard. But I always tell people that that morning light before 10 a.m. is extremely important to us. Because Every one of our cells is just sucking in that sun energy, which we need. And when we get into that energy, that pushes us into that circadian medicine, which we talked about last time. So we can't lose that. I, I keep saying that. I know we want to try to create a world where we can solve all of our, all of our problems through, you know, increase of technology, but that's not the case. And we're seeing it more and more. You know, people being stuck in their homes in their pandemic, um, I've just seen such an increase of imbalances in my practice during this time because it was a very, it was a very isolating time. Um, and so the impact was felt even more. Rima, what typically does happen at these cusps of the season change? So usually that's the time uh, doctors of every kind, homeopathy, Ayurveda, modern medicine, they say people, it's just the time people get sick. Um, so in the context of Ayurveda, what typically happens if you're not aware uh, if you're eating the same way, if you're doing practices the same way, what? why are we so vulnerable and what does that vulnerability look like in our body? You know, we are seasonal beings. We need to remind ourselves that we are seasonal beings. So when we do that, we actually create routines for the seasons. So who I am and what I do in winter is so completely different from who I am and what I do in summer. So you have six seasons, we have four. Let's just think in our minds about the three doshas, the vata, the pitta, and the kapha. And vata season is the time when you're going to feel the coldest, 
and you're gonna feel the driest energy. So sometimes don't get so worried about, oh, when are the transitions of seasons? Let's just think about the three doshas. So let's think in our minds right now, wherever you live, what would you consider to be the coldest, driest months? And let's just put that aside for a minute. Then let's think about kapha season. Kapha season is filled with heavy, dense, gross, cloudy, sticky, slimy energy. And so that's really springtime when it's a lot of rains, when there's a lot of mud, when it's very damp, when you almost can feel there's a lot of water around you, whether that's like the rise in temperature or a little bit of humidity. So let's think about that for a moment. And then let's think about pitta season, which really is summer. It's hot and sharp and it's also dry, but the quality that's the most is hot. Ayurveda, as much as it goes so deep into its theory, the basis of Ayurveda is opposite cures like. So in Vata season, we want to be bringing in all of those beautiful aspects of nourishment. So when we take warm oil sesame, abhyanga oil massage, if we take a few moments like on a Sunday morning ritual and we really oleate our hair, when we um, eat dals or stews or soups and we have really nourishing grounding foods like in America we have pumpkins and squashes and sweet potatoes and it's a wonderful time to have rices and grains because these are all very nourishing and heavy foods. That makes sense, right? We don't want to be having ice cream at night in Vata season. And people forget this because you live in homes, you turn on your heater, you are wearing sweaters. And so you almost forget that you really would never do that if we were living in nature more. And when we do that, we can really feel in harmony with nature. But if we don't do that, Vata season is the season that you could have the biggest impact on your sleep. And you made an interesting point, Rima, because you spoke about how we got these heaters on and we forget. But that was a very valid point because that's what truly happening in the summer. We've got the air conditioning on and then but we need to, I think, bring it back to the fact that our body remembers, even if we have. Uh, pro probably protected it from that seasonal impact in some way and yes Vata you described so beautifully the Abhyanga which we did go into it a lot more in the first episode so I'm sure people can go back and take a listen to that um, and I would like you to talk a little bit about the Pitta time and the Kapha time as well in terms of you brought it back to very key aspects practical things which we can do so when we're talking talking about um, kapha and the sticky, the monsoon, and that's where the time everyone's telling you that, oh, people just get colds, it's normal. Uh, so what, what do we need to be tweaking? What is uh, the opposite of sticky? That is the perfect time to fast. And that is why India is so tied in with also their spiritual religious ceremonies. Many people who observe their spiritual life will fast because that is all intertwined. All those, all those aspects of 
spirituality are intertwined. But we wouldn't want to fast in Vata season because if we did that, that would aggravate Vata and that would really, really make us feel all of the impacts that Vata can have on the body. So Kapha season is a perfect time to fast. <clears throat> and we want to not have all those nourishing foods anymore. So the three things to think about is warm, light, and dry. Because kapha is cold. Vata is cold. Kapha is not as cold as vata, but kapha is still cold. So we want to have some aspect of warmth. So it would be very good to also move, you know, um, exercise, um, change the scenery in your house, get rid of your, um, your silvarkamis, your, your extra clothing, you know, so you want to lighten your load in every aspect, your mind, your lifestyle, and especially your diet. So it's a wonderful time to definitely do the strictest diet that you want, like fasting. It's a very good time to, to observe ekadasi because ekadasi are, are natural days of fasting in the Vedic calendar, and they happen on the 11th, fourth night in the lunar calendar. And so when, you know, in India, people really still follow this. And this is beautiful because that, that's two days out of the month that you're really observing fasting or you're really limiting your diet. So it's a good time to bring in uh, herbal teas, really good time to still use ginger. Um, you wanna use astringent foods. In India, you've got such amazing herbs that some of them are astringent, which means they, they're drying. So they pull all that extra moisture out of the body. Because in kapha season, we can feel heavy, we can feel a little overweight because we just came from the winter, we can feel depressed or lethargic or unmotivated, we can feel congested, and all of that, um, so you're getting that breath of fire. So those are some really good aspects for kapha season. And let's just say we all have a tendency to get out of balance. We just do, it's human nature. So we don't want to be hard on ourselves. We want to actually have the seasons remind us of what we're supposed to do. So if you haven't been exercising every day, a really good time in that, in that season to say to yourself, I am committed to walking. I am committing to exercising. It's non-negotiable during this time of the year. I think what you're describing, Rima, is that we can use the seasons almost as a framework and it does help to guide what we do. Uh, and uh, I do want us to talk a little bit about Pitta as well, but then we'll come back to sleep after that. So what does Pitta, what, I mean, if Pitta you described as hot and also dry or is it not, is it oily? Uh, so what do we do in Pitta time when it's so hot? Because that's usually the time that people say, I don't feel like eating. And that's a time where people tend to fall into gastrointestinal issues, stomach being sensitive. Am I imagining at that or is, is that happening because of digestion getting impacted in that season? 
Absolutely. And it is oily also. Um, Pitta has a very interesting aspect of being oily, but you can also be dry if there's too much Pitta inside of you. Because Pitta is fire with a little of water. So if we had fire just burning and burning and burning, eventually that would dry you out. But absolutely, you have this natural oiliness. You know, so when we get to that season of heat, we don't need to put oils on our body. Our body is naturally bringing out all of these oils. And the predominant quality is that sharpness and that heat. One thing I want to bring into mind, because I feel like a lot of Westerners um, get this wrong because they think about it and it's actually the opposite. In summertime, when people are very active, Sometimes people think because you're sweating and you're hot that your digestive fire is really strong. And that's not the case. In, in Ayurveda, we understand that your agni, your digestive fire is actually the lowest in summer because it's working really hard to keep your body cool. Your body is working so hard to make sure that you're not overheated. So your digestive fire is actually really low. The time that your digestive fire is the strongest is actually vata season because your body's working so hard to keep yourself warm. So that, that fire is just really burning. So that's a really good thing to think about. And you actually already said it because India has extreme heat. So people can really feel it here in America. I live in a place where it's like um, 75 to 80 degrees. So I don't know what that would be Celsius wise. Um, but it's, it's much less heat than you experience. So sometimes people don't really understand that you're actually not this, that hungry. So listen to your body. When, when your body's telling you those things, it's a beautiful way that the seasons are actually having an impact on you. We don't want to eat a lot. And we want to take... Um, we want to take advantage of what the season offers, which is a lot of fresh food, fruits and vegetables. So if you're finding yourself eating a lot of mango and datum, pom pomegranate and grapes and all of those uh, fruits, that's wonderful. Really good time to have your buttermilk because that cools your body down. And also, if you have good digestion, so you don't notice gas or bloating, you can even have those nice fresh salads. And we wanna um, have a lot of cooling drinks. So you know in Indian culture, cooling drinks is a real beautiful category of food out there. India really has kept this alive. It's a wonderful time to go and, and have more cooling drinks. And what I love when you spoke about that, Rima, was the kokum juice, the rhododendron juice, the pomegranate, the hibiscus tea. I mean, all those are such cooling uh, foods which we bring into our life and buttermilk. Yes, that's a big part of it. And you brought a lot of points into the seasons and how do we tweak some of our diet. But I can so imagine our listeners asking the next question, linking us to this, which is uh, what does one do if we are predominantly a dosha. So do we adjust to our dosha as our prakriti, our constitution, or do we adjust to the seasons more? Because uh, where do we begin? Does seasons 
take more importance or does the individual body constitution matter more? Mm, beautiful question. I think that we do first and foremost need to understand who we are in relation to the cosmos. So really understanding our doshic tendencies is first really important. And we also need to remind ourselves that every single one of us has the five elements within us. We all have earth, water, fire, air, and ether. We just have different percentages. So we, most people on the planet have one predominant dosha. Most people on the planet actually have a secondary predominant dosha. There are those rare people that are just so monodoshic. So you could come across somebody, it's more rare, where you look at them and you're like, they are just like 100% pitta. I just see fire, 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 fire. But that's really rare. So most people on the planet are do what we call dual doshic. So they have one predominant dosha, dosha and one secondary dosha. And that's the beauty of Ayurveda health counselors, because I think it's really wonderful to go and find your dosha. And it's so much more effective to go and get a consultation rather than take a dosha quiz. And I'll tell you why. A lot of people fill out those dosha quizzes, those free dosha quizzes that are online, and they get confused. They answer the dosha quizzes more with their recruiti, their current state of imbalances, instead of their prakruti, which is the true essence of who you are the moment that your star seed came into existence. So a lot of people get confused because they'll fill out these dosha questionnaires and they'll be like, they'll have developed anxiety and dryness and they'll answer these questions. And then many students or clients will come to me and they'll say, well, I'm really vata. And I'll look at them and they look pitta. And so I need to remind them and teach them that, that you're looking at your imbalances. We want to break the layers of ourselves with the lifestyles that we're living and get to the true essence of who we are. And a lot of that is we have to look back on our childhood. You know, like how were we when we were young? Were you shy and timid? Were you that person in the playground that was always um, the center of attention? Are you very affectionate and cuddly and, and have a natural ability to really want to nurture? You know, so we want to look at aspects of who we are as children. Um, so I think that's first and foremost. Um, you want to know if you're pitta predominant, vata predominant, kapha predominant, but then you've got to take you, who you are and you've got to uh, find your relationship with each season. So for example, I'm predominant pitta, but even in vata season, I need that nourishment. So I'll still do a lot of those nourishing aspects but I might not use as much chili, chili, um, chili pepper as like a kapha person could use, or even maybe a vata person. So I might just use a little bit of green chili. I might sprinkle a little bit of lal mercha or, or red chili pepper. Um, I might choose to use leeks instead of onions because leeks are a little bit less pungent. So we still wanna follow the season, 
but we also want to make sure that we're really respecting our own body constitution. Beautiful, Rima. And in fact, I think you read my mind because I was just going to ask you about the quiz versus the consult because I truly believe those quizzes are very tricky and uh, you describe that well for us because just to understand the difference between Prakriti and Vikriti and that's so key to otherwise you're following tweaking your protocols and maybe it's not suitable to you and that's why I think a lot of times you hear people saying I tried Ayurveda it only made me worse and that can just go back to the fact that the guidance of Ayurveda was not in the right uh, exact way to support them personally. And I'd just like to talk a little bit about sleep. You did mention when you spoke about the Vata season that that's the time that sleep goes off. So could you just describe a little bit more about what happens to our sleep at that specific time? And when we say Vata time, so I'm thinking it's something like uh, maybe September, October, November, something where it's that really dry, where you get the cracked heels and um, the cracked chapped lips. And uh, what's actually the time in terms of sleep? So what can our sleep look like when the seasons have impacted it negatively? Wonderful question. So first off, I, I, I told you last time that I am so, I just have so much gratitude that you're doing this podcast because sleep has become uh, such an issue. You know, when I first started to teach Ayurveda, I think that they used to say that 75% of the planet had sleep disorders. And now I think that we're seeing that it's almost even 90%. At some point in everyone's life, you go through periods of really feeling like your sleep has been impacted. So this brings us to another really great concept that also still um, is going to give you another level of understanding seasons. When we, the, the dosha that is predominant in the season. So for example, the coldest months wherever you live is Vata season. Vata starts to actually accumulate and aggravate, accumulate a little bit before the season starts. So let's think about this because a lot of people are plagued with allergies, right? So, and allergies for Americans come a lot in springtime and fall. So I, I have a lot of clients who tell me, who come to me and say, well, I heard Ayurveda is really successful for allergies. And I tried things and I noticed it made a little bit of difference, but I still really suffer from allergies. And then I have to tell my clients, okay, let's think about this. When April or May hits in America, all of a sudden you get blown with allergies and you are trying Ayurveda and it is helping, but it's almost too late because you've already let this happen. So the concept for seasons in Ayurveda is that we have to understand that the dosha accumulates before the season hits. So for example, July in America is peak pitta season. In America, July, pretty much across the whole country, it's hot and it's like the hottest it's going to be. So we say Pitta peaks then, but we actually say that Pitta starts to accumulate in April or May, depending on where you live. Because somebody who lives in Mississippi, which is south, in, which is the southern part of America, it gets warmer 
faster than where I live. So we say like sort of April, May, when you start to feel that heat really start to rise, pitta's accumulating. So the saying in Ayurveda is that you start to um, balance the doshas a little bit before the season hits. So in saying that, when if we say that vata season really hits in September, we want to start thinking about in August to incorporating some vata type protocols. So August is still really warm here in America. So people could still be swimming. They could still be eating lots of fresh fruits. The, they could still really be enjoying the light that's coming. But then nighttime gets a little cold. So it's a really nice time to maybe do a nighttime abhyanga before you go to bed. Or um, when it gets cold in the mornings, when it starts to really get cold, making sure you're having that warm tea. So those aspects, if we really think about that and do that, it really helps our sleep. And let's, let's, let's sit on vata season for a minute. So vata season is made up of air and ether. So we know, so that's the time of year that air and ether are predominant and air and ether. The impact it has on the mind is it brings so many thoughts. So many thoughts are circulating. So vata season is known as the season where you can have insomnia. Um, you can have trouble falling asleep. You can go to sleep, but you could actually wake up and then and not be able to go back to sleep because that air ether energy makes your mind feel very erratic. There's too much movement. You don't feel grounded. So, and I see this all the time with my clients and now my regular clients, once they start to feel a little bit of anxiety, they know it's time to come to see me to get a treatment because a shiradhara, a continuous stream of oil poured over your third eye center is such a grounding treatment. So when you start to feel the change of the season, you really want to get into your, your, your protocols. And we want to remind ourselves that for Vata season, wherever you live, if you find yourself being swept away by the season, so you're like running around like crazy and you're taking your children to and from school and practice and you're going up to all of these events that you said yes to and you um, are staying up late because you're actually feeling really creative but you're like becoming the midnight owl finishing these creative projects you are being swept away by the season but if you say to yourself i'm going to do daily abhyanga i'm going to oleate myself i'm going to create a ritual in my bathroom I'm going to put all this warm, unctuous oils on my body. I'm going to meditate, non-negotiable. I will meditate every day in Vata season. I will turn out the lights so I can feel that we're entering a dark time. You know, we keep all these lights on. So I tell clients and students all the time, turn off your lights, use candlelight. And when you have a really good sleep hygiene for Vata season, it's really important. And that's when last time I brought up the 10, 3, 2, 1 rule, 10 hours before you want to go to sleep, no caffeine, which means that you don't have any caffeine after basically 12 p.m. Three hours before you want to go to bed, have your last meal. Two hours before you go to your bed, no distractions. So like, for example, if you're counseling a girlfriend on the phone 
who's telling you about all her problems, you want to cut that out at two hours before. Or maybe you're just distracted with a lot of things around the house. It's time to get into that quiet cave. And then one hour before you go to bed, no phone. And I think that's really key for Vata season. Kapha season, the problem with Kapha season is people want to sleep too much. People don't want to get out of bed. And so Kapha season, we have to be very disciplined, non-negotiable that we say that we're going to get up early. And then Pitta season, that is when the light is so much, so prevalent. So it could be light out until like nine, nine o'clock at night. And so, you know, people are kind of impacted by that. But if you follow like a really good Pitta regimen where you're staying cool and hydrated and making sure you're not eating really late, because sometimes in summertime, people want to go eat street food really late at night. But if you really kind of keep to your principles, you can fall asleep kind of hard and fast, even though it's so light out. But the moment it turns dark, um, if we really follow Pitta season, we can just fall hard and fast. So we really want to remind ourselves of this because sleep hygiene just isn't the fact that it that we can't sleep. We can also sleep too much. So we have to look at the seasons to make sure that we're not getting swept away. And I can so hear my listeners ask you the next question, Rima, following this one, which is also what we spoke a little bit about in the previous conversation on the whole modern aspect of different sleep chronotypes and some people just are the night owls. And uh, I can hear the listeners ask you what is wrong with being swept away by the seasons. You described that twice. And so I can hear them ask, asking what is wrong in allowing my creativity to flourish in Vata time. So could you just maybe speak a little bit into that? When we allow our daily routines and our seasonal routines and our nighttime routines to hold us, the, the beauty we want to share with the world will be so much more available. So for example, those creative Vata people who don't, who think they don't like routine, the ones that are like, I just want to, I just need to feel the flow of the day. You will be able to feel that flow and accomplish more if you allow yourself to have routine. Because you know what happens to a lot of Vata people who are creative? They can start 100 projects, but they have a hard time finishing them. So when we actually use the cosmos as our guidelines, not only can we start projects, we can finish them. We can be creative instead of being creatively chaotic. <laughs> and I think you just described, I was just going to ask you the next question because people usually want to know what's in it for them. So I was going to ask you that what would change for the better if someone did pay attention to seasons and supported them themselves accordingly? And I think that's what you described. Do you have anything to add to that? Because usually people always relate it to the vision. What's in it for them to do this? You know, one thing we do have to remind ourselves is that the world of health really is a delicate balance between nourishment and purifying, right? Like 
we can't constantly want to nourish ourselves without also purifying ourselves. So there's certain times of the year that we have to understand are better than the other. So I've said several times in this podcast that the colder, windier, drier times is a great time to nourishment. The warmer, oilier, sharp times is a great time to purify. So we want to be able to find that balance between the nourishment aspect and the fact that we also have to purify. We have to get rid of the things that just accumulate within ourselves. And we call that brimhana and lankana. And brimhana and lankana is considered to be two of the most important aspects in what we consider to be like palliation therapy in Ayurveda. Like when we start talking more and more about treatments, one of the biggest aspects when we look at any client is we have to look at them and say, do they need brimhana or do they need lankana? And so many people in our modern world are so depleted. And that is why rejuvenation is become like the buzzword in the wellness industry. And it all stems from Ayurveda. You know, in America, we are inundated with, with um, adaptogenic drinks now which are actually really good that they've come out, you know, because um, modern culture is addicted to drinks. And in, in Ayurveda, we say, that's great, but make your drinks at home. Don't go to the grocery store and buy all these bottled drinks. But the one trend we're seeing is these adaptogenic drinks because we are such a depleted society. We've been going, 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 going. We haven't been really aware of, of our surroundings. And because of that, many human beings have not given themselves enough time to rest. We tend to be on the go, go, go. We are all sort of following a Western, like a model of success, which is really that, that it's based only on productivity. And the nature doesn't, doesn't thrive on just productivity. Nature thrives on the balance. So there's times that you should be productive. There's times that you need to rest. And so we are a very rest depleted culture. Now what's happening is not only are we a rest depleted culture, but we're a very toxic culture. We've got a lot of toxins inside of us. So people are totally confused. They're like, I don't know if I need to detox, but I'm so tired. I don't know what I, I'm supposed to be doing. So, I, so it always comes back to reminding people, <clears throat> yes, you have toxins. And yes, these are certain things that we're gonna do to help you but you're so depleted. So these are some really nourishing aspects that can help you. And that's really across the board for every human being because we are constantly under stress to achieve. This is why I love our conversations, Rima, because when you spoke about the balance between nourishment and detoxification, I think that's something that I've seen in my practice as well of functional medicine, where a lot of times the functional world is heavily focused on detoxification. And I think at times it can get excessive where someone is having chelation, strong therapies, or they're having these strong detoxification drinks chlorella spirulina on a daily basis and I think that doesn't really allow our body to build uh, and to just uh, as you say nourish and I think that's very important we are almost out of our time so 
it's been a wonderful conversation, but I think we should probably leave our listeners with maybe five key points that you would suggest to take away from this in terms of how might we support ourselves to flourish uh, during seasonal shifts. Wonderful. Okay, five. So first off, what's coming to my mind, <clears throat> pay attention to your local farmers, your local herbs, your local foods, because that is going to give you a reminder of what nature is providing for us. So for, you know, in India, when Amalaki, Amla comes out, it's the time of year that we need that. We need to take that Amalaki. And so nature is so intelligent. We don't need to be um, thinking that we know better. So get really in tuned with what's growing around you because that really is very dosha balancing. So that's number one. Number two, think about what your constitution is. Like you don't even have to go into depthness, but think to yourself, do you find yourself like really airy and spacey? Like, would you, would you say you have a lot of that? Do you find yourself to have fire? Do you find yourself to have a lot of earth energy? So think about like who you are and remind yourself that opposite cures like. So if you're finding yourself feeling too heavy, you need to bring in lightness. If you're finding yourself to be too hot or fiery, you need to bring in some coolness. So that's the second thing. The third thing is to remind ourselves that you want to be a person that you can recognize in three distinct ways. The vata part of you, the one that's going to nourish yourself, the one that's going to use sesame seeds and warm milk. And then the kapha part of yourself, the one that's going to lighten your load and detoxify and really find the willpower to fast or to, to uh, work on cleansing your body. And then the pitta part of you um, to remind yourself to slow down, to cloth. So that's really important. That's the number three. That's number three. Number four, think about one aspect per day that you are just giving yourself self-care. One aspect that's non-negotiable, that you absolutely say it's non-negotiable. There's just, you, just like brushing your teeth, you need to do this. And then the fifth aspect, which we have talked about so much, you have to find at least two to five minutes of meditative meditation or silence, because that's when you connect to your true essence. We can talk and talk and talk, but we actually need to feel it. And where do we feel it? We feel it in those quiet moments that it's just you, your spirit, your body, your mind. And the more and more that you connect to that silence and stillness that rests within, the more you will see your true nature. And that is the most empowering tool. We are all here to help you see things in terms of Vedic knowledge, but truly you need to feel it. 
I think that wraps up our conversation, Rima. And I know that you did complete our show mantra on the last conversation, but on the context of seasons, how would you complete if sleep is the new medicine then? If sleep is the new medicine, then we need to understand the impact of sleep with each season. So we know that we need to sleep more in vata season. We need to make sure we don't sleep too much in kapha season. And in pitta season, we wanna play hard, we wanna work hard, and we wanna sleep hard. Thank you, Rima. And I think our listeners must have got a lot from this conversation because you brought such key insights into seasonal shifts, understanding how do we navigate based on body constitution? How do we even understand what is our true body constitution? And I'm sure all our listeners will get a significant shift from these insights. But if they'd like to reach out to you for a personal consultation on especially how can they uh, understand what is their prakriti, where do people find you? You know, I think the best place right now <clears throat> would be Instagram. So it's Ayurveda at Instagram. And that's the best place they can go onto the link tree there and get in touch with me. Um, but yes, feel free to reach out. Absolutely. It's a beautiful, connective world we all live in. And that's something that we need to remind ourselves that if you feel lost, there is support for you. There's community. Thank you for your time, Rima, and your precious wisdom. And I must share with you before we close the show that what I really took from you through this conversation was that you don't speak from, you know, in the world that we're in, which is so fixated on research at every moment in time. What I found when I spoke to you was that whatever I asked you, you closed your eyes and I feel the knowledge came from a space of intuition, some something sacred. And I think that it's important, even as a society that we bring balance between the focus on research, which of course there's validation, but I think it becomes too one-sided where everything is dependent on research. I for one know that it's going to probably never catch up between research and ancient wisdom. And that doesn't mean that there's so much um, to offer people from that, more so because there's a intuitive, deep knowledge there. So I just want to leave that with our listeners, but thank you for your time. Thank you. In this episode, Reema Shah took us through why we are vulnerable during the seasonal shifts and how our sleep is impacted. She also clarified a critical point in Ayurveda, which is that body constitution must be assessed through a skilled practitioner versus an online quiz where we might end up thinking that our state of imbalance is our body constitution. Thinking that our constitution is something specific based on imbalance can mean that we adjust differently to seasonal shifts than what we actually need. 
Understanding the true Prakriti is step one of adjusting our bodies to seasons. Let me share my perspective. I like to do my constitutional assessment for clients six months after working with them to first adjust imbalances. I then leave them with detailed understanding of managing their constitution with the right practices. One of the best tools to sail through seasons which especially supports sleep regulation regardless of body constitution is Abhyanga or Royal Massage. You could consult a practitioner for the right oil to help you make it a part of your routine always. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.